Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, August 3rd, 2020. I'm Rick Morton, Lifeline's Vice President of Engagement, and today we're continuing our Bible study in the book of Ezekiel. We're beginning in the end of chapter 20, going through uh, the middle of chapter 22. And so last week, uh, Blake Wilson led our Bible study, and uh, honestly, it was a a fairly um, dark and a fairly challenging passage that Blake was was charged with uh, with taking us through and it, and it really talks about um, God's righteous indignation God's righteous wrath toward the people of Israel and their sin and uh, but but we sort of left off on a hopeful note and as the the prophet was led of God to talk about at the kind of in the middle of chapter 20 about um, about the, the 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 one that that is coming to um, t- to redeem the people, the one who is coming um, to to deal with um, with God's uh, with with the people's unfaithfulness toward God, and so I just want to make a real quick point before we before we start in and before we get into the the meat of um, chapter twenty twenty one and twenty two is. Um, a point last week that we that we see this foreshadowing in Ezekiel chapter twenty of Jesus, the rescuer, who's going to come, who's going to pay the penalty for sin, who's going to bring about redemption, one who is, you know, one who is going to to rescue, and and so we see this this story that's been played out in Ezekiel so far that that we focused on uh, the unfaithfulness and the idolatry of the people, but we kind of came to a point of seeing that there's. That there's hope that God's promise was that that their cycle of idolatry would be broken, um, because God is going to demonstrate His holiness through His people, not just to His people. And y'all, that's the that's the promise of the gospel. That ultimately, um, because of the work that Jesus has done, that God ultimately is is going to because of the 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 change that's made to us because we're made over by the Holy Spirit. That, that God is not just demonstrating his holiness to us, which would look like judgment, which would look like condemnation, which would look like hell, which we deserve. Um, but but he's, he's demonstrating his holiness through us so that, that when we are in Christ, we take on his righteousness. We're re- remade in his image. We're, we're redeemed by the blood of the lamb and that ultimately that God is able to put his character on display and to put his 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 holiness on display um, through us. And so on the one hand, you had Israel who their desire was to be like other nations, um, like the people of other countries, wor- worshiping wood and stone as as God said to Ezekiel, but that God but but God foretold um, in chapter 20 of Ezekiel that he was going to do something. Um, to to change their identity, and and so what we see is that God is a God who doesn't who doesn't lower his standards. Our God is a God who ultimately 
raises his people. And that's what happens in, in the gospel, that God doesn't change his standard of holiness. He doesn't, he doesn't change uh, what sin is. God doesn't excuse our sin or, or allow it to be looked past. Rather, what he does is, is that he says, in spite of our sin, um, that he's provided a way, that he died on the cross, that, that Jesus died and that and that he conquered death and he conquered hell and he conquered the grave. And because of that conquering, he has provided for us um, the ability to be made clean because he stood in our in our place. Um, and so it's not a question of God reducing um, his standards, but it's a question of God raising his people and God graciously rescues us from ourselves. Dan Block says this in his commentary about Ezekiel. He says, the experience of divine mercy drives true covenant people to their knees. God did not express his love in Jesus Christ in response to our worthiness, but to redeem us from our unworthiness. The fundamental problem with most of us is not deficient self-esteem, but an inadequate divine esteem. As we submit ourselves to God, recognizing that ultimately he operates for his own namesake, that his investment in us relates to agendas far greater than ourselves. We will treasure the grace with which he reaches out to us. And so in other words, what we have to understand is, is that God's grace comes to us, not just for us. We weren't the cutest baby in the nursery that God couldn't wait to adopt and couldn't wait to bring into his family. The family of God wasn't incomplete because you and I were, were estranged from God and in our sin. The family of God was completely complete, yet God stepped forward and provided for us, and he did that for his namesake. He did that for what it says about him, um, and the benefit is that, that, we, that we get to take part in what it, what it does and what it accomplishes for us. And so if you go over, beginning in verse 32 um, of chapter 20 in Ezekiel, we, we jump into what's really our, our primary passage this week that, that we're looking at. And, and God, again, turns his attention through the prophet to, to begin to talk to Israel about the judgment that is, that is awaiting them. And so we saw this, helpful, this hopeful word um, about, the, about the rescuer and about the potential um, for for the Lord restoring Israel, we saw that in chapter twenty, beginning in in verse thirty three. But then then we move on over to, to verse forty five, and and what we see is that that God um, God basically begins to draw out before the people that 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 strict awful judgment is coming. Um, and, and that, the, that the time of God's judgment is approaching, and unless there's an intercessor, everything, all of Israel and everything that they know um, is, is, going to be, is going to be consumed. Um, and, and, and we see sort of two images that, that the prophet uses. One is an image of fire, and the other is an image of a sword, and, and, and like the warlike damage that a sword will do. And and what we see the the message that the prophet um, that the prophet has for the people um, that that essentially he he says um, he, he like he paints a, a a verbal picture for them that is that's scarier than any scary movie um, like he paints an awful picture for them um, and 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 so what do we learn? from this passage of scripture. Well, the first thing that I think that we learn 
is, is we learn something about how we should proclaim God's judgment. If you look in chapter 1, beginning in, in verse, chapter 21, beginning in verse 6, he says, As for you, son of man, groan with breaking heart and bitter grief, groan before their eyes. If you skip down to verse 12, God also is talking to Ezekiel about how to give this message about the fire and about the sword. He says, cry out and wail, son of man, for it is, for it is against my people. It is against all the princes of Israel. They are delivered over to the sword with my people. Strike therefore upon your thigh, for it will not be a testing. What could it do if you despise the rod, declares the Lord? Later on, he, he talks about you know, this idea of, of clapping your hands. God even says that he's going to clap his hands. Cut sharply to the right, set yourself to the left, wherever your face is directed. I also will clap my hands and I will satisfy my fury. I, the Lord, have spoken. And, and so the Lord, the Lord essentially says several times, he, he calls upon Ezekiel to, to cry out. He calls upon him to groan. He calls upon him to wail. He calls upon him to, to slap his thigh and to clap his hands. What, what he's saying is, is like he calls him to this utter deep lament over the sin of the people and the consequences of the people and over the judgment that's coming. Today, I think part of what that, that reminds us of is that that many times we um, we're tempted to to put a a pleasing face on 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 sin. We're, we're tempted to to soft pedal the consequences of sin, and 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 we're and we're called upon, I think, more and more, and given more and more pressure to to speak messages of positivity, um, and 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 we do this almost Christianity light thing. As, as we focus away from the judgment of God and focus away from the consequences of sin and focus on God's, God's grace, on God's love, on God's mercy, without equally talking about the, God's holiness, um, God, God's judgment, and God's righteousness. And, and what Ezekiel is being called upon here to do is not to tell jokes. He's not, he's not being called upon to, to make the people feel good. He's, he's, not, call, he's not being called upon um, to, 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 be, to tickle the ears of the people. As a matter of fact, if you look at the end of chapter 20, um, he, he says in verse 49, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, he is not a maker of parables. Ezekiel's basically calling out and, and sort of complaining to God that that God the people the people don't think I'm funny, they don't they don't think I'm clever, they don't like my stories. They're comparing me to other preachers and they're comparing me to other prophets and they're saying like this guy is he's hard and he's stark and he's and he's and he's got a depressing message. But yet God doubles down in verse six and then in verse twelve and tells him, no, you declare. The, the message of God's judgment. And I, I, think, I think the truth is that we have to focus on the fact that we really can't see the glory of the gospel without accurately seeing the devastation of sin. We have to remember that apart from Christ, that we aren't bad people who need to get better. We're dead people that need to be brought to life. 
and, and that it's important that as we extract the message from the Word of God, that we don't, we don't impose a message that we wish was there for our comfort or for the comfort of other people. And that part of what we as Christians have to do is speak prophetically into the world about sin and about the consequences of sin and not back up from that. Because ultimately what we're trying to do is to, to rescue people from eternal damnation, we're trying to we're trying to be part of rescuing them um, and and helping them to to find life in Christ. And and part of part of doing that and doing that in an honest way is talking about about God's judgment. And so, as we talk about God's judgment, what can we learn from this passage about about God's judgment? Well, the first thing we can learn is that God's judgment is complete. in In verse forty seven of uh, chapter uh, chapter twenty. 21, no, sorry, chapter 20, verse 47 of chapter 20, it says, Say to the forest of Negev, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree. The blazing flame will not be quenched, and all the faces from the south to the north will be scorched, and it all flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it, and it shall not be quenched. So God basically says that my judgment is going to come like a fire and it's going to, it's going to burn up all the, the dry and withered trees and it's also going to, to dry up all of, all of the green trees that are still growing and still appear healthy. God says there's not going to be a single tree that's going to be spared um, from my wrath. And, and so you can kind of liken the green trees and, and the dry trees. The green trees are, are the people that are, that are seemingly appearing to do good work, people who are seemingly you know, living up to the sacrifices and, and, are, and are sort of following the law. But, but, but honestly, they're a part of rebellious people and, and they're in an irredeemed state. Um, and, it, and it means that, that, they've, that they've done a lot of good things, but ultimately that, that, that they haven't satisfied the penalty for their sin. All the, all the dry trees are those who were openly rebellious. And, and, the, and what, what God is saying through the prophet is that, that they're all going to meet the same end. That the same fire is there to consume them. That, that Israel was, um, what was about to suffer um, the judgment of God for their actions. Then you go over to verse 9 of, of chapter 20, 21, and, and then there the Lord speaks through the prophet, and he, and he talks about a sword. And, and he says, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith, says the Lord, Say a sword, a sword is sharpened and polished, sharpened for slaughter, polished to flash like lightning, or shall we rejoice? You have despised the rod, my son, with everything of wood. So the sword is given to be polished, that it may be grasped in the hand. It is sharpened and polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. Cry out and wail, son of man, for it is against my people. It is against the princes of Israel. They are delivered over to the sword with my people. Strike therefore upon your thigh." Israel was used to hearing about the sword of the Lord, but, but they were used to hearing about the sword of the Lord being for someone else. That this was usually, God was using the sword in order to defend Israel against those who, who came against Israel, and he was using, it, using the sword to protect his people. Now the people are hearing about the sword, but the sword is coming for them. Why is it coming for them? It's coming for them because of their sin and because of their rebellion against God. And, and so what we see is that the destruction that's going to come is going to be complete. In the case of the fire, it says 
that that the, that it's going to be from the south to the north. It's going it, to it, like everyone, the green trees and the dry trees, all of them are going to be consumed. The fact is that when we look at that in light of the gospel, what we understand is that apart from Christ, none of us is righteous. None of us can do the good works that are necessary. None of us can be obedient to God apart from Christ. And what we need is for God to see us in the righteousness of Christ, not in the righteousness that we try to manufacture ourselves. And, and that those who are without Christ, their destruction is going to be complete. And it, and it's going to be, it's going to be complete because of the consequence of their sin. And we need to be people who warn people about that. We need to, to, to warn them to turn away. And that's exactly what Ezekiel was doing. He's pulling out the stops to say, you know, one last time, please, for, for goodness sakes, turn from your sin and return and, and turn to God. Second thing that we see about God's judgment is that God's judgment is controlled. It is in the controlling hand of God. It's not outside of the sovereignty of God. Um, we see in, in verse 18 of chapter 21, it says, The word of the Lord came to me again. As for you, son of man, mark two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to come. Both of them shall, shall come from the same land and make a signpost at Make it at the head of the, the way to a city. Mark a way for the sword to come to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah into Jerusalem, and into Jerusalem the fortified. In other words, he's saying that he's going to use Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the king of Babylon, to be the instrument that's going to bring judgment um, upon God's people. And that there's no fortification that could, that could protect them. That there's no stronghold that they could build. There's no fortress that they could build up that's going to, that's going to keep Nebuchadnezzar away. That God is going to use Nebuchadnezzar. Does that mean that Nebuchadnezzar is, is a man after God's heart? Does that mean that, that he's a, he's a righteous instrument? No, but what it, what it means is, is that God, God's going to use, um, Nebuchadnezzar in order to discipline his people and in order to bring about judgment for them. And, and the fact is that there's, there's nothing that they could try to, to, to do or to exalt or to protect themselves from their own sin that God's judgment is always going to achieve um, its, its just end. And that God will use circumstances and things in order to bring about his judgment. And, and remember here, we're talking about judgment for people who are, who are outside of the gospel. Um, we who are in Christ, we don't suffer God's judgment. We suffer God's, or, 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 or we're, we're, we're part of God's chastening or, or God's correction or God's rebuking like a, like a loving father corrects his children, sometimes even, even punishes his children in order, in order to teach them. But we're not suffering under the judgment of God. Number, number next, uh, number three, God's judgment is with cause. And so if you go down to, to verse 24, it says, Thus say the Lord, because you have made your guilt to be remembered and that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your deeds your sins appear because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. And, and you, O profane, wicked one, prince of Israel, whose day is come, the time of your final punishment, thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low, bring low which is exalted. A ruin, 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 I will make it. This shall not also be, but until he comes, one whom judgment belongs, the one to whom judgment belongs, and I will give it to him. Um, Ezekiel then goes on to tell all of these sins, and some of them are things that seem minor, like charging too much interest on loans and, and ex exacting a, a heavy price from people. But then he talks about some really reprehensible sexual sin and, and some things that is, 
that, 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 is, that is incredibly awful here. And, and what he says is that some of these sins are, quote unquote, maybe respectable. This is in chapter 21 or chapter 22, verses 1 through 12. Others are reprehensible. But what he says is that at the end of the day, they're, they're not different, that all of those sins are ultimately damning to the people. And that we're, we're living in a time where the lines are being, run, being redrawn between what, what's reprehensible and what's respectable. And part of what we need to know is that sin is sin. And ultimately, we are, we are all condemned because of the sin that we, have, um, that, that we have committed before God. And then finally, we see in, in chapter 21, beginning in verse 28, that, that God's judgment is, is consuming. It says, And you, son of man, prophesy and say thus, says the Lord concerning the Ammonites and concerning their reproach and say a sword, a sword is drawn for the slaughter. It is polished to consume and flashlight lightning. This is like more horrible than most of the battle scenes that we see in movies, the, the scene that he's painting. While they see you for false visions, while they divine lies for you to place you on the necks of the profane wicked, whose day is come, the time of their final punishment, return to it, return it to its sheath in the place where you were created in the land of your origin, I will judge you. And I will pour out my indignation upon you. I will blow upon you with the fire of my wrath. And I will deliver you into the hands of brutish men, skillful to destroy. You shall be the fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You will be no more remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken." And so there is a consuming judgment that is coming for sin, and, and, and we only have one way of avoiding that judgment, and that is submitting our lives to Christ. And so those of, you, those of us that are in Christ, our responsibility is, is to proclaim to the world the peril that they stand in apart from Christ. And that, and that we should do everything that we possibly can to, to, to tell people and to warn them about the terrible judgment that's coming and about their need to turn from their sin and to place their trust in Christ. Thanks for listening us to, with us today, joining us for the Defender Bible Study. As, as always, we are thankful to have you this week. We're going to be praying for the nation of Brazil and the work there. We want to pray for the local church and missionaries that are residing in Brazil, that they'll be united, encouraged, and, and bold. We specifically want to pray for uh, Deborah and Guy and Vanessa as they're sharing the gospel throughout Brazil. We want to pray for truth and conviction of the people of Brazil um, and, and that, that amongst great poverty and corruption and liberalism and social issues, um, that the gospel would go forth. We want to pray that the local church will rise up and share the gospel and minister to most vulnerable families, to, to children in foster care, and, and even uh, will become adoptive families themselves. We want to pray for protection, uh, especially among the vulnerable during COVID as, um, as the vulnerable have become more vulnerable. We want to pray that the Lord would encourage and provide and prepare um, the families that are in the process of adopting from Brazil. We want to pray for families, pray for our nine families that are home with children that have adopted, that the Lord would, would love, help equip them to love their children and to disciple them well as they adjust into their families. We want to pray for more mission-minded families who would want to pursue adoption from Brazil. We want to pray for the leaders of the country that they'll make laws to protect the rights of children in care. We want to pray for the central authority, CE. J-A-I, um, and, and the children who are living on the streets who are in need 
of, of permanency. We want to pray that God would reveal himself to, to them, that he would provide for their needs, and he would bring across their, their paths believers that, who, who would help care for them. We want to pray for our team here in the States, Josh and Beth and Farah. We want to pray for our team in, uh, in Brazil, uh, Marcia and Marcos. Uh, and we want to pray for the, the workers at ACAF and at the Central Authority that they will make decisions that are in the best interest of children. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to, um, to minister the gospel in Brazil, to, to God, to encourage the church in Brazil, to, to equip the church in Brazil, God, to, to seek to place children for adoption uh, in Brazil and from Brazil uh, to the U.S. God, we, we pray that you would raise up families, missional families who, who love you and who are following Jesus, who would care for these children. God, we pray that, that you would, would do a work in the church in Brazil, that, that the church would become skillful in caring for the vulnerable. And God, they would do that in order to be able to proffer the gospel. God, we pray for government officials who have the responsibility for caring for vulnerable children in Brazil. And Lord, we pray that they would do things that are that are protective of children and families and that they would do their job well. And God, we pray ultimately that the church would be able to, to show the gospel off to those authorities. And we pray, um, God, for their conversion. Lord, we, we pray and we trust you for the street children that are in need of family, in need of, of permanency. And God, we pray that you would lead um, foster care minded and adoption minded Christians, both in the U.S. and or both in Brazil and in the U.S., God, to, to step up to meet the needs of children. And God, we pray that you would lead and guide our steps here at Lifeline. We thank you for our team that works in Latin America and specifically that works in the nation of Brazil. Um, God, we thank you for Marcia and Mark and um, our in-country attorneys who advocate for children, who ad advocate for families. And God, we pray that you would accomplish your will and that, God, you would further the, the gospel of Jesus in, in the nation of Brazil. And it is in the powerful, strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music